Bobo. How you doing, man? Oh, God, you scared the hell out of me, Cliff. I was going to say the same thing to you. You look terrifying. What's so different about you? Dude, you're freaking me out right now, Cliff. What's going on? Oh, you know what it is? It's your shirt. You have a new Bigfoot and Beyond Halloween special with Cliff and Bobo's shirt? Yeah, yeah, that's it. It's the Bigfoot and Beyond the Grave t-shirts with Cliffhanger and Boo-Bo. Ooh, that's why I was so scared. You were wearing that shirt, and that scary mask didn't help either. I'm not wearing a mask. Oh, you look great, Cliff. Thanks, Bubs. Right now, for a limited time only, this October until Halloween, you can buy the Bigfoot and Beyond the Grave t-shirt with Cliffhanger and Boo Bow. This is going to be a collector's item. We're not going to do this again next year. This is the only time you can get this design of this shirt. So go to sasquatchprints.com and go to the Bigfoot and Beyond tab, and you're going to see this shirt, and you can buy this shirt, but check it out. This is even cooler. You can also buy a hoodie. So this design on a t-shirt or a hoodie, your choice, sasquatchprints.com. Go get it now because they're not going to be here forever. (laughs) You are now listening to Bigfoot and Beyond. Featuring the OG bad boys of Bigfoot, the Dr. Heckle and Mr. Jive of Squatchology, the Chip and Dale of Bigfoot, and I'm not talking about the cartoon. Please welcome your hosts, the Bigfoot celebrity couple, Biff Clubo, better known as Cliff Berrickman and James Bobo Fay. Okay, Cliff, how's it going? It's going all right, man. How are you doing today? All righty. We got another great guest this week. I know. I'm excited about this one. Yeah, people will uh, be familiar with this one because when we had B Mills on, she told us about her research site. We were talking about the gentleman that owns it and the property where the house is at, where all these recordings and footprints have been found. He is now on the phone with us live today. Yeah, so uh, welcome, everybody, to uh, uh, George. We'll just leave it at George. We don't want uh, people to know too much about this gentleman. But George, uh, welcome to the show, Bigfoot and Beyond. Well, thank you. And thanks for coming on. Yeah, I know you're out there. Uh, it's opening day of bow season yesterday. What did you do? I uh, went fishing. It was too hot. It was 80 <laughs> degrees. <laughs> <laughs> so you should be in the Pacific Northwest. Nah. It's a lovely <laughs> 55 degrees right now with a fall in the air. The sky's blue. The wind is blowing just slightly. And the fires are more or less out or at least smoldering underground for now. It's perfect. It's perfect here right now, too. 78 degrees, three mile an hour wind, and the leaves are changing. Nice. It's a lovely time of year. That it is. So, George, you've had a lot of Bigfoot activity on the property. Bobo and I have been out there, um, at least I I was out there once. Bobo was out there twice, I believe, um, doing Bigfoot stuff. Three times. Okay. On the property itself. Um, but but let, let's go a little bit further back than the property itself, which is going to be the focus of this episode. You grew up in this area of Ohio. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, lived here all my life. And how have, have Bigfoots always been on your radar, so to speak? Or well, we never called them Bigfoots. It was before anybody knew what a Bigfoot was. I mean, Grandpa always told us, you know, don't go down by the creek after dark. You know, the Clear Creek Monster gets you. We always thought it was Banner just trying to scare us, you know, keep us in line as boys. You know, there was eight or ten of us running around at any given time through the creeks and the hollers and, you know, doing what boys do, chasing squirrels, you know, hunting, fishing, being boys. And uh, I was probably 
eight years old. We went coon hunting one night. We had a bunch of coon dogs, you know, and uh, me and four of the uh, other local boys, a couple cousins and stuff went and uh, we treed one. Literally. We treed what, a tree. coon or a raccoon or a, uh, yeah, a raccoon? Uh, no, okay. a raccoon. We treed it. Well, for some reason, this raccoon decided to jump out of the tree. Well, they do that. Well, the dogs got on it and took off. We started chasing after the dogs, you know, we young boys. We come up over a knoll down a valley. It would be a uh, metro park nowadays. Back then, it was just rural wilderness. There was nothing here. I mean, nothing for miles. And uh, we heard something let out a scream that would make your toenails curl. We thought it was a bobcat or a mountain lion, you know. They were few and far between back then. And uh, the dogs, two of them come running back by us, their tail between your legs. And these are full-grown coon dogs. I don't know if you know anything about coon dogs, but they don't back down from a grizzly bear. So we took off running to investigate. I don't know if I've told you the whole story of this one. And uh, me and my buddies all run up on it. And there's something awful big. We thought it was a bear at first. All we had was a 22 single-shot bolt-action rifle. We knew that wasn't going to do good to whatever that was. And it turned around and stood up and just straight growled at us. Like blood-curdling. Like that. And it was deafening. The other two dogs took off running back by us. And not before long, we caught back up with the dogs. Mm-hmm. That was the first. We got home. We told Grandpa, and he said, I told you damn boys that Clear Creek monster would get you. We said, yeah. So we didn't talk about it much. Nobody ever mentioned it again. Then I was 10. This is the one first one I told you about. We was down by the creek, and he's coon hunting again. And something wretch out touched one of us. We thought it was just us being us, playing, being kids. We did that crap all the time, scare each other, whatever. And uh, we didn't think nothing of it. We get on up the road. We turn around and look, and something's following us. Human shape. We hit it with the light, and it just sit there and stared probably 125, 130 yards. Um, actually, Grandpa just sold the property last year that it was that happened on. And, you know, nowadays there's numerous sightings including a photographer and a few other people that's taken pictures and stuff over the years, a couple of class A's on this, the website for the Bigfoots. And that was my first real interaction. Then years went by, nothing. Well, George, how long have you lived on the property where you live now? Six years. Six years is all, but you're, you, are, you're, you grew up in that general area, is it safe to say? Um, 12 miles from where I was born. How soon after you moved in, were you made aware that Sasquatches were living in your neighborhood? I couldn't figure out what it was. Wife kept telling me she kept hearing chatter. It sounded like little kids playing over the hill, but it was inaudible, like kids on a playground. There's no kids. There's, it's, you go behind me. Back then, there was no houses, none. There's a few new ones built now, but she said she kept hearing it. She asked if there was a playground or something back there. I said, no, I've walked it all. There's nothing. That's when it first started. And then I heard a few things one night and I went and told her, she said, you're crazy. I was like, man, whatever. So we was all sitting out here on my sunroom. I got a big 30 by 60 or 70 foot sunroom with all crank open windows facing the wilderness in the woods here. And something just let out a screen that vibrated the windows. So then, you know, first thing I did, and that was the only thing we heard for like a month. She let it go. She said, oh, it was just a wild animal. It was a bear because there's a bear. Every once in a while, you'll see a bear, transient bear through here. You know, it's a bear. I was like, Hun, I've hunted bear. There's no bear here like that that make that noise. So we kept trying to get a recording of it. We kept hearing it and hearing it. And 
no recordings for a while because every time you get a phone out or a recorder out, it would be gone. Well, I got to learn. Went back there one day and I seen something. I wasn't sure what it was. Couldn't make it out, but it was big and moving. So no big deal. About June, May, maybe. I started cutting down some trees here. They were close to the house overhanging. Well, then we started noticing things. Started hearing stuff. Wife was always like, that's coyotes. That's dogs. Okay, maybe. Couldn't really tell. It was off in a distance. We got, I don't know, six, eight lakes and quite a few state parks around us. George's house, it's it's a good hundred and something yards off the road, farm country. About 800 yards off the road. Yeah, but the, the forest is just like 10 foot off the back of your porch, and it goes straight down into a hollow right there off your porch. Yep. Creek, three ponds on it. Big, actually, they're more like lakes, but they run through, feed that creek, and it actually connects all the way down to Southern Ohio to Wayne National and Shawnee and all that. You follow that creek line down, it runs all the way to West Virginia. But uh, no, we really started noticing was the night uh, I got a good recording. You all have heard it. I was laying in bed watching TV. That was the first real good. It had to be 50 feet from my house. I live in a 1965 brick house. Real brick, not face it brick. Two by six walls, you know, double layer drywall because it had radiant heat. Basically, you go outside my house and fire a weapon and not hear it inside my house. I kept hearing something over the TV. Finally, I got up and cranked the window open. And that was the recording that you guys heard. The first one. So then we knew we had something. We didn't know what. So the following night, I come out. I sat down here with a few guns. Didn't know what the heck it was. I was a little scared. Nice guy was a whole lot scared because I didn't know what the hell it was. I'd never heard nothing like that continuous ever. You know, you hear howls and growls out in the woods. Never nothing consistent. So I called a number and got a hold of uh, some woman. She said somebody be in contact with me. Well, that night I got here. Pardon my French, peeing on the stump. I had a few be- two beers in me. You know, just drink a couple beers, sitting out here relaxing. And something started running up through the woods at me. So I fired, I don't know, 20 rounds in the woods. And then it started shaking a tree. And the following night, that's when animals started to disappear. Yeah, that was the night that led up to the animals disappearing. Now, what kind of animals were those that were uh, going missing? <clears throat> Dogs, um, chickens. Pheasants, quails. I raised a lot of pheasants while I used to. Pheasants and quails and chickens. And the following night, I come out again. We had a couple buddies here. They didn't believe me. I told a few friends. They didn't believe me. Yeah, right, dude, you're nuts. I said, well, come on over. We'll sit out here on the porch. And if you look out my porch, I got a barn to my left. And you can see we had a chicken pen. I don't know, 15, 20, 20, 25 chickens. Six-foot fence. Keep the raccoons out, you know, and the coyotes and the fox and the minks. And uh, didn't think nothing of it. I heard chickens clucking, which is not unusual at 10 o'clock at night. I disturbed them. We'll get up next morning. Fence has been over. Count chickens. I think we was missing four. So next night, I sit up again. This time, I'm sitting out on the corner here outside the sunroom with the rifle. I look up. Looks like there's a person. So I didn't shoot. You know, I don't want to shoot nobody. So I take off running up through there, and I realize it wasn't a person. It was big, and it was hairy. Had two chickens. It turned around and looked at me. I fired, went to take aim and fire while I was running, and I tripped over a steel beam I had laying up there. 
got two rounds off, chased it in the woods that night. Went over the hill here. On the backside, I got a big knoll. It drops down maybe 60 to 80 feet straight down. Not cliff, but straight down. You can walk down it, but it's real steep. And got down the bottom there, and I look over. Well, I forgot half that story. Sorry. Anyways, I seen it when I got to the back of the knoll before I went over the hill, and it was running up the other side of the hill. I took aim on it, and that's when something went flying at me and landed beside me, and it was a tree stump. No way no human being threw a tree stump that weighed probably 50 pounds, 40. I still have the tree stump. So I run down the hill, got to the bottom. I believe I have all this even on my phone recording. And uh, I look up. I hear something to my right, rustling big, something to my left. And I knew there was something in front of me. So that's when something else went flying by me. So I put three or four rounds into the ground and started backing out of the woods. But they did whatever it was. What I saw was definitely a Bigfoot that night. I was for sure. I laid eyes on it because it was just right at dark, just getting dark. I knew then there was something that I couldn't just straight say, no, that was a creature or a critter or, you know, something known. I backed out of the woods slowly. And I've had hundreds and hundreds of experiences since to the point that I don't even pay it much mind at this point. It comes in waves, though. Seasons, I should say. And I always know when they're here, the deer sleep in front of my house in the front lawn. You can go out and dang near walk up to them. They don't even mind you. You can't run them back in the woods. Have you noticed that one time of year is more active than the others? Or there are several times of years that are active? Um, it, I mean, I got a thesis on it, you know, an idea. I mean, I'm by no means a super genius or nothing on anything. But the first year I was here, it was all year, all summer, all fall. And a little into winter, continuous, nonstop. Second year, same way. Third year, it waned out. You know, no big deal. And then since then, it seems like it's seasonal. I don't know if they were migrating, they had a baby, they had an injured one. I don't, you know, know the whole thing. But it fits a migration pattern of a lot of other animals. You know, some animals go to places to have babies, certain, you know, back to dens. I mean, even down to rattlesnakes, they live in the same place they was born in. There's a lot of creatures that do that. And now it's like fall, right toward the end of summer and fall and first thing in the spring, you'll get them. All summer this summer, not much activity, same as last year. Not a whole lot. I mean, there was, but nothing like the previous years. And I've even spoke with neighbors that's seen them, known them, you know. These aren't just, you know, average shows. One's head of ODOT, you know, one's an attorney in town, you know. These are prominent people that don't want to come out and talk about it for fear of ridicule. The main thing I've noticed is migration. It seems like spring, fall. Like right now, the activity starting to pick up. But summer, this summer, last summer, not very much compared to the previous years. Stay tuned for more Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. We'll be right back after these messages. Winning season returns at my bookie. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means insane props, epic bonuses, and the craziest cross-sport wagers. At MyBookie, winning season means watching live sports and betting live sports all season long. Rejoice! Rejoice! The NFL has returned. That means action-packed Sundays and huge cash prizes. Get in on the action. Use promo code BIGFOOT and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play. Designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. 
Bet with the best this NFL season for your chance to win big. Use promo code Bigfoot and double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today only at my bookie. Have any of your family members besides you observed the Sasquatches in the area yet? Yeah. But yeah, my youngest son and uh, my middle son, we were on the way to take the youngest one to school and middle one to school because I drive him back for school. We turned out of our driveway and we got a lake, which is a big gravel quarry. It's been there since the 20s. Across the street, nobody's used it since, I don't know, the 90s. And uh, it's kind of a farm gravel quarry, you know, ponds, lakes, wilderness, surrounded by fields and woods. And uh, look over, and there's something about waist deep in one of the ponds. Look, and it's cold. You know, there's snow on the ground. I stop the truck. I get out. The youngest son sees it first. And he goes, what is that? I said, I don't know. It turned around and looked at us. And what my youngest son remembers, it had no hair on its arm, on either of its elbows. That's what he remembered the most. And after that, he was terrified to go outside. Um, next day, we hear tell that the school bus full of kids seen the same thing, along with the bus driver, like two minutes after we went through. Um, we did observe geese in the pond, Canadian geese. So are, is that the only time one of your family members have seen one? Because I know they've no, all heard just, them. We'll get to that. that was just the first time. That was just the first time that they had actually seen it. Uh-huh. Okay. For your youngest son to be, you know, it's, he's scared. Like, uh, he's no shrinking violet. He's a bold, brave kid. Oh, yeah. That kid don't have fear. No, that kid has no fear of nothing. But he's afraid of the Bigfoot. Uh, after that, yes. Before, he laughed. Like I did as a kid. Aha, uh-huh, yeah, right. Whatever. Um, he really ain't been in the woods much without me or his brother since you scream Bigfoot around here or you scream like one, you know, playing, he cowers and runs in the house and he's not the cowering kind of kid. I mean, he hunts, he fishes, you know, I goes crazy on the quads. I mean, he's, Oh yeah. He's evil. Knievel. He is. He's a boss little guy. Then watching the abject fear when we heard him that night out in the backyard, Oh, yeah. He, he just, he runs in the house. I mean, he's not playing. I mean, he looks. No, he's crying. Terrified. It got to the point me and his brother was kind of tormenting him about it. And wife got mad and yelled at us because, you know, we'd go, Bigfoot's out there. And he would literally leave us be whatever. I don't care what we was doing. Gone. House. That's not very good parenting, George. I got to try. I was trying to break him of it. <laughs> he probably just I really rubbed was, it in. But it, it, it really did. It, it, he's getting better about it now. I mean, he's, you know, eight years old now. He's better with it. But no, um, we've all seen it. The wife has seen glimpses, uh, nothing full on frontal like me and the boys have. I mean, there's been, I mean, I don't know how you've been explained. There's been so many sightings that it's like, which one do you want to hear? You know, those were just the first and some of the traumatic ones, you know, it bluff charging me or actually charging me up the hill here. You know, I fired some rounds into it. You know, I know the difference of the sound of what, when a bullet hits something. It makes a soft boom. Give us the details on that, because that's a great one. That was the one where he charged me up the hill here. Well, give us, like, tell us which, because at this point, you know the different ones. There's different size ones, different personality ones, so. Yeah, there's a juvenile. There's a big one. When he hollers, the woods go silent. The crickets quit. I mean, literally, the crickets quit. You know, you can hear it on somewhere other, but the crickets actually stop chirping when he hollers. It's that loud. And yeah, he's every bit of 10 foot. You know, in the beginning, I, I, I bought this because, you know, it'd be a nice hunting property. But when we first come out here, you know, just to 
started to backtrack a little. But we noticed there wasn't no possums. There wasn't even no raccoons in the woods. There was nothing. It was like sterile woods for us animals. I mean, you didn't see no nothing. For like two years, there was no nothing. You'd get a transient deer here and there. That's how we tell basically first when they're here, because you don't always hear them. You'll find footprints or you'll hear something that couldn't be nothing else in the woods other than something huge making racket. Trees breaking. If you go through my woods right now, you'll find trees about four to six feet high just broke over. Just wrenched up and snapped off. I'm one inch, two inch trees just snapped off down the valley. You know, there's no wind, no nothing. Grass is standing straight up. You'll find trees everywhere. It's broke over. All over. I mean, like I said before, it's to the point now I don't even, unless it's something really, really good, I don't even bother with it. Back to that story about the one that charged you. Um, well, when he, I was standing out there in that stump, as I said, he come up, I heard a bunch of racket coming up the hill at me, and I screamed and yelled, and it didn't stop shaking, just throwing and ranting and raving and carrying on, so I started shooting. And I heard a couple, boom, boom, and like I said, it still didn't stop. It just, it didn't come all the way up. I didn't get it. I seen its reflection. You know, there's a security light right behind it. You can see like the shadow of it casted. But when it hit the two, it went berserk. It started shaking trees, and that's when it chucked something up. I mean, I've had people even stay here at my house, bricks being thrown up on the roof of the house. Bricks. Actually, when I went to Hawaii two years ago, we had somebody house sit for us, and they were terrified. It was chucking bricks at the house, busting windows. We've had busting windows. During a man alive, throw a brick on her yards. <laughs> no, tell, the, tell the one where it charged you and you shot it in the head. Uh, I didn't. I just grazed it. That was uh, two years after I moved in. Yeah. It charged up the hill. Actually, the tree stump's still there. I kind of buried it. But uh, it would charge up. It would always... The people that come out after that talked to me about it and said, oh, it's just bluff charging. Like I was like, I don't care if it's bluff charging or not. It's charging. It's a threat to me. I grazed one on the right side of its head. It was the one I called a juvenile because it was only, back then it was probably six feet, maybe six and a half. Wasn't much taller than I am, and I'm around 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, I was on the backside over there, and I winged it, and uh, it took off. It actually turned and run. First, you said you hit it and it took it to clean off its feet. No, that was the one I shot in the chest on the back hill here. Oh. I've winged like three or four of them. They don't seem to be afraid. They're protecting something around here. I don't know what it is. <clears throat> but when that year, they were like, ever since the one I shot and took off its feet back here, I hit it with a 223 round. The one I winged here in the head was with a 22 Ruger 1022. You noticed a difference in how it acted after that? Yeah. We didn't see it for a month. I mean, you hear them scream and stuff, holler back and forth, and wood knocks. And it ain't really wood knocks. I never really hear wood knocks that a lot of people claim to have, but. It sounds like rocks smacking together, like you're banging rocks. But the one I dropped hit in the chest was back here on the backside. That was after it killed all my pheasants. Uh, I don't know if you guys seen the pictures where they were flat. They ripped the sliding door off my barn that used to be up there and went in and squished every single pheasant. It, it ripped their heads off. They was thrown out in my front driveway. They was on the roof of my house. They was just everywhere. It killed like a hundred and some of them. So much so, I ain't raised them since. And it just squished it, like stepped on it or sat I mean, on it. Was, it was like somebody, this was my expression, I think I even told you guys then, like somebody took a pavement roller and went over top of them. Quite a few of them. I mean, they were just pancake flat. Like just squished them. 
mean, their heads were just ripped off and they was just thrown up on the roofs. They was just everywhere. Like it just went in and just started ripping them and throwing them and everywhere. Blood and feathers all galore. Oh, there was F stuff everywhere. And none of them were eaten. None. So this happened uh, after one of these incidents where you shot at it. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Shot didn't shot at it. Shot it. I, it. I shot it. Yeah. Well, when Cliff and I pulled up at your house, it was two in the afternoon in May, and the first week of May, and we got a Ohio howl right off the bat. Yeah, that's the one. He was. He, he, that's why I said he would just go erratic. It wasn't like there was any continuous rhyme or reason after that with that one. And the only time he would go docile or you'd not hear from him is when you'd hear the big one. I don't think the big one actually lives around here, but he would come around and you would hear him. I mean, you knew when it was coming down the holler, you could hear it for miles. The neighbor's dogs would start barking and you knew the time frame between where it was by the neighbor's dogs. And occasionally you'd hear, there went a dog. One got too close. You'd hear it just rip, I mean, just mangle them. You can ask anybody in my neighborhood. They've all lost, I mean, Big dogs, not just, you know, puppies and, you know, full-grown Australian shepherds. You know, they'll, they'll jump on a 2,000-pound bull like they ain't even scared. Well, one of your neighbors, I think, lost a horse or something, if I remember correctly. It was a cow. cow. A cow. Oh. Yeah, lost more than one. Lost five or six cows. They find their pelts thrown up in trees. Um, just nothing but a head and a uh, spine. That's a 10-footer then, probably, huh? I don't, I never seen which one killed him and neither did they. Um, one of the neighbors did and will not still to this day, he's 70 years old, works for state of Ohio, will not go out after dark without a shotgun. He won't even go feed his animals without a shotgun. Been that way for 10 years. Um, I mean, there's just so much to talk about. It's hard to get it all out in one podcast. Right. Well, tell us about when B Mills showed up and what she started doing there. Yeah. How did the researchers get involved in all this? Uh, I called the researcher number that I found online and ask him what it was, what was going on? Was it dangerous? You know, should I be afraid? You know, I mean, it is being a little aggressive. Well, they're not violent. They're not aggressive. Well, bull crap. That norm didn't fit here. There was more than uh, just being uh, not aggressive. They were overly aggressive. The one was I've never really had any aggression out of the other ones. You know? So you think there's three that you've identified, correct? Four. Or, and one's a female, you're pretty sure? Yeah. Oh, not pretty sure. 100% sure. What makes you say that? Boobies make me smile. (laughs) (laughs) See, they make you smile too. (laughs) But now, yep, and I'm not the only one that's seen it. How big was that one? Eight foot. Was there any aggression associated with that one, or did you just see it? Absolutely none. Tell us about seeing that one. Like what time of year and and all that kind of. Actually, it was this time of year because I was ginseng hunting. What, four years ago? Yeah, it was four years ago. And I kept hearing twigs break. And I was kept walking along at the top of the back ridge line. Well, it's different now. The farmer filled in about six, eight acres behind us, filled a big ravine in. Then it was a steep, straight-up ravine. I don't know if you guys seen it before they filled that in or not. <clears throat> and there was an old trash dump there. People, you know, 30s, 40s, and on, you know, dump bottles and metal and whatever was disposable of a household back then. I was walking the top of that ridge because there was ginseng. There's still some on the other end of it. And uh, I look up. I see something moving. So, yeah, whatever. I snuck on around the bottom, come up on the other side of the ridge, and it 
turned around and looked at me. I was probably 150 yards from it. Leaves were almost all off. It was probably two weeks, actually. Maybe it was three weeks after started ginseng season, which starts September 1st. Just turned around and looked at me. Didn't pay me no mind. Turned back around and off it went. Wasn't scared. What color was it? Same color, like a darkish brown. The only one that's a different color is the one that has the scar on his shoulder. He's almost a silver color, like a gray-haired, blackish gray, dark brownish black gray. It's He's an odd color. Hey, um, have you been close enough to get a good, a good look at one's face? Yes. What does it look like? Tell us about that. My, what I would imagine a Neanderthal caveman to look like. Doesn't look like a gorilla. It doesn't look like a human. It's a cross between the two. Okay, so like, let's, let's start at the top of the head. So uh, the hair... Like, it's more domed than ours. Um, it's got hair all the way down. I mean, it ain't like us. It's only got a little spot around its eyes or there ain't no hair. Its nose is white, way wider. Larger nostrils, kind of wrinkly. I mean, I don't know. I'm not much for descriptions, detailed descriptions, but um, their ears are like, I don't know, half size of my hand. What about what about their eyes? Have you seen their eyes? Yeah, yeah the eyes look like humans. Did you see whites of their eyes or just is it all color? Uh, no, it's not all color. They got pupils. I've been that close. They got I've been within 30 feet of one. Uh huh. I was sitting in a tree stand back here. We got a big tower stand in the bottom. And it's all completely wrapped with a little slit in it for deer hunting. It actually got that close. I didn't get that close. It got that close to me. No, it was just walking. It was just, no, just didn't notice. It walked right on by me. All I have is a crossbow. I'm not fighting a Bigfoot with a crossbow. I can tell you that. Anything I've seen run up a hill with two chickens in its hand, and I know for a fact it's 230 yards, and I can go one, two, three, four, five, and it's gone. I'm not going to shoot at unless it's something big. Because it took me, and I'm pretty fit. You guys have seen me. 29 seconds to traverse that same hill at full speed. In daylight. It did it at nighttime, almost dark. So yeah, I'm not going to shoot at nothing like that with a crossbow. It went 200 and something yards in five seconds? Well, up straight vertical. You know, I'm just, no, it wasn't a full five seconds. I'm just counting out, you know, it was moving that fast. One, two, it made it all the way. You know where the back hill I showed you last time you was here? That back ravine? It went up that in exactly 11 seconds. Stay tuned for more Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. We'll be right back after these messages. So, George, when you had a, a good, close look at the thing, um, did you notice any teeth or are like, the mouths always closed? Or w- Tell me about that, please. They got teeth. Uh, human-like teeth? Or are, there, are there canines? I didn't get that close for the canines, but it reminded me of a silverback gorilla. Well, they have pretty prominent canines. They may, but I didn't. The front teeth, I mean, it, it ain't like it smiled at me and said, hey. <laughs> you know, it was just, it turned around and you could see the whites of its teeth. I mean, they were huge. I mean, they looked like the front teeth, you know, I mean, I, there's no detail of what I could see the de- distance, but they were teeth. <clears throat> I mean, it'd be like me standing 20 feet from you and just kind of, you know, a half, a you know, open mouth and you just see the teeth. I mean, but they were definitely white teeth. They were actually brilliant white compared to its body. I mean, just because of the color contrast of difference. It'd be like seeing a white flower 20 feet out in the woods. You know, you'd notice it. That's why, you know, I noticed it. Just like the eyes, you know, 
they look human. Have you had any problems with them or issues or uh, anything like that with them coming up to the house? Like when you guys are sleeping or anything, moving things around or banging the outside of the house or doing, or doing anything like that besides, um, stealing or throwing stuff at the house, Mm -hmm. bricks, rocks, tree stumps, branches, gravel. How many windows have they broken? I got one broken right now. I can't find (laughs) anybody to replace it. It's in the bottom of the sunroom because of COVID. Oh no! Yeah, dang, that place is so rad. I mean, there's just stuff going on all the time. This has been the slowest year, but yeah, there's you got to piss them off again. Well, I think it was just that juvenile. It's like a juvenile delinquent. You know, you everybody goes through their teenage years. That's what it reminded me of. The rest of them were docile. You'd never knew they was there, other than they'd scream or you'd see a random half footprint or a full footprint, or you would hear them. Or you catch them running through the woods. You didn't know what it was, but it was a big blur, you know, or they kept their distance. So it's, it's, it's kind of added some good excitement to your life, huh? Having these things in the yard. Sometimes it's a blessing and sometimes it's not. I mean, the amount of work, after, you know, first I wasn't involved. I didn't really, you know, whatever, just make it go away. Then I got interested and then I got intrigued. And I'm the kind of person, you know, there's got to be a rhyme. There's got to be a reason, you know, where's the logical answers here? Well, I haven't found them all yet. Well, all right, George, man, I thank you so much for coming on. You did say you were generous and you've been more than generous with your time. We really appreciate uh, just all the little glimpses into your very strange life. Having Sasquatches live in the hollow behind you. You've seen them on a number of occasions. You're kind of one of these individuals that uh, can give us a little bit of insight into how these things live. So we really appreciate you just sharing with us. Yeah. Thank you, George. I appreciate it. And thanks for all the hospitality and being a good host when we're back there. And I look forward to seeing you again, brother. Not a problem. I appreciate it, guys. Anytime. I'm just not real good on, you know, speaking like this. So, you know, I do the best I can with it. All right. You did fine. All righty, guys. I'll talk to you maybe on another show. All right. All right, George. There's a guy who knows a lot about Sasquatches, man. That is pretty cool to have him on here. Oh, yeah. I mean, the amount of action those guys have, just, just myself being there. And when I'm there, they're, yeah, it's been slow. And I'm like, this has been great. You know, here at Rock Taps, heard some howls and whoops and the neighbors firing guns off. He's like, oh, they'll be over here. To, they'll be over here next. You know, they'll be here in a couple hours. Well, and really, really what sets this apart is like, you know, George has a lot of stories, right? And, and he's like, well, how can one guy see that much stuff and so consistently over the years and whatnot? Like a lot of people might not even believe he's telling the truth. But the difference here is that he has other researchers working this area with evidence to back up these stories. There are footprint casts that I've seen that are fantastic from this area. There's like some of the best audio recordings ever obtained are from this property. Uh, it is it's, it is a fantastic area with actual evidence to back up these claims. So uh, before you write off anything George said, because he has so many accounts and so many stories, remember, there's more than just words here. There's more than just the sounds coming out of his head. There's actual evidence. There's uh, audio recordings. There's actually photographs. There are There's a, a whole bunch of stuff coming out of this one spot. And with you know, more technology, he's got access to better and better equipment and, you know, be bringing in her knowledge and uh, dedication that there's going to be more stuff coming out of there for years to come. Yeah. Well, let's keep our fingers crossed for that. All right, Cliff. Well, that was a good one, man. I'm glad the fires are out and you're safe up there and hopefully it stays that way. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully it does. I think it probably will for a while. I mean, we're kind of in the winter here. Um, so it's just, I can focus on the museum and I can focus on getting some great guests for Bigfoot and beyond. All right, brother. All right, Bobes, take us home, man.
Right on, folks. We hope you enjoyed our buddy George on today. And thanks for listening. And check us out next week. We'll have another great guest. So until then, keep it squatchy. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Bigfoot and Beyond. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes. Subscribe to Bigfoot and Beyond wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Bigfoot and Beyond Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Bigfoot and Beyond, that's an N in the middle, and tweet us your thoughts and questions with the hashtag Bigfoot and Beyond. 